Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick. And I'm Chelsea McLaughlin. And if Chelsea sounds a little different, it's because she's fled the country back to her homeland for Christmas. (laughs) Yes, I have. I'm coming to you from my mother's wardrobe. I like that every time we have to do a remote record, one of us is in a wardrobe somewhere. I know. Every time I open my closet to get dressed in the morning, I have a flashback (laughs) to those dark days when we recorded at home for months and months and months during lockdowns and I would stand in the closet for hours, so... Those were dark days. Well, we had a bit of nostalgic news over the weekend, which is nice. The stress of Christmas is happening. Some of the celebrities are always behaving badly. But in amongst all that darkness, there was a bit of light. But before we get into that, Chelsea, I have to know, are you a fan of the sisterhood of the Travelling Pants? So, yes, I have seen the film. I like the film, but I'm not like clamoring over this news. Like it's not peak nostalgia for me. Okay, you're keeping your emotions in check. Some people were very excited <laughs> by this. It came out in 2005, The Sisterhood of the Travelling Pants, and the sequel came out in 2008. They were both big smash hits at the box office based off the best-selling books, which if you haven't read all the books, like, holy moly, they're amazing. And the last one is so sad. I think I cried for six hours and I was like a proper adult when I read it. So those movies came out. They were like kind of big movement with the teens. And they also made big stars of their four leading ladies. So it's about these four best friends who find a pair of jeans, which fits all of them and they post the jeans on while they're all separated for a summer to keep them together. So you've got Amber Tamberlan, Alexis Bledel, America Ferreira and Blake Lively. Blake Lively pre-Gossip Girl. This is kind of her big breakout role. Yeah, so over the weekend they all reunited. It was to support America Ferreira with Barbie stuff, correct? Yes, so she got nominated for the Critics' Choice Awards for her role in Barbie for Best Supporting Actress. And yeah, her three friends from that movie and who will do the sequel together were all on hand taking photos and at the event to support her. And that's been a big thing that's kept the movies alive over the last couple of years is that the four women became very close friends behind the scenes. They often post photos like hanging out together or at each other's houses or holding each other's kids. And it's been nearly 20 years since the movie came out. It's almost like with the Friends cast, how people just fell more in love with the series over the years because they felt like the stars were friends behind the scenes. And I think that's what's happened to the Sisterhood of the Travelling Pants Girls. I always talk about how like it's weird that we expect celebrities who work together to be besties because it's like co-workers are co-workers sometimes. But I do think that it adds like a heightened kind of sense of just like nostalgia and love and just like a nice wholesome element when you do know that people that portray really close friends oh, on yeah. screen are also close friends in real life. I have to say, and I know this is not the point of the thing, not the point of the nice photos, but 
Blake Lively looked so good. I need to know all of the details of what she was well, wearing. Well, she looks like a Barbie, right? And that was the cute part exactly. of the caption that Amber Tamblyn put up. She's like, we got ready together, which means we raided Blake's closet because she has all <laughs> the nice clothes and bags. We'll share America Ferrera's sweet video of the four girls together if you need a little sisterhood of the traveling pants fix. Just be aware everyone thinks this is a sequel happening. It's actually a musical adaptation. So we're here for it, but oh. it's not, yeah, it's not the same. Anyway, speaking of Friends, over the weekend we got some very sad news and that was Friends actor Matthew Perry's cause of death. Unfortunately, there has been a very negative fan and sort of media reaction to the news. And then we need to get into Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's Christmas card because holy hell, people have gone deep in the secret clues hidden in the cards. We're going to get into that. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. So over the weekend, it was revealed that Matthew Perry died in October from acute effects of ketamine, according to the toxicology report from the Los Angeles County Medical Examiner's Office. The report also listed contributing factors, including drowning, coronary artery disease, and the effects of buprenorphine, which is a medication used to treat opioid use disorder. The matter of his death has been ruled an accident and it has been reported that Perry had been undergoing ketamine infusion therapy prior to his death, reportedly for depression and anxiety, which he was open about. His last known treatment of this was about a week and a half prior to his death, and the report found that the ketamine in his system at death could not have been from that infusion therapy, since ketamine's half-life is three to four hours. The autopsy was unclear when Perry's fatal intake of ketamine would have occurred. Now, obviously, this news was reported all over the place over the weekend. There was a lot of discussion. There were a lot of people that were really upset about this news. It was one of those things that really took over the news cycle. Obviously, Matthew Perry had been really open about his struggles with addiction and his journey to get clean. And a lot of people saw these headlines and just had a very negative reaction to it, I feel. Yeah, I felt like a lot of the reporting around it was irresponsible because I understand that people want to go for the clicky headline, but so much of what was reported around his death was drugs found in system, ketamine use linked to his death. And unless you actually, you know, we talk a lot about media literacy and and being able to check your right sources and understand not just the headlines and the photos and the TikToks that are out there. And I think unless a lot of people went and read one of the proper news articles covering the report that was released, it sounds like he could have overdosed. And I think a lot of public Applications deliberately put that information out there with the idea that people would click in or just read the headline, which we know people do, and assume that's what happened. And that was really disappointing because ever since his death was announced on October 28, you know, there was speculation the day it happened that he had relapsed or that drugs were involved. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of different health things that contributed to this. But I just thought that idea of making like a bit of a tabloid sensation and alluding to the fact that he'd been out in his backyard, you know, taking drugs 
drugs and that was the cause was a real hit to his legacy. And when you look back around what he wrote in his memoir and like the very extensive press tour that he did around it, he always said like the thing I don't want to be remembered for is just this part of it. Like he wanted his legacy to be helping people with rehabilitation and he also understood that the friend's legacy would play into it. But it's almost like we had that one burst of everyone being very supportive of this man and, you know, and also just like people in general who go through things like this and then it's turned around to be this tabloid thing. And I also think so many people in his life have been like gearing up for this to happen and getting on the offensive a little bit. So with like Jennifer Aniston, when she did her first interview after Matthew Perry's death was announced, she's obviously promoting the new season of The Morning Show and she was saying like, I really want people to know that he was happy, he was healthy, he had quit smoking, he was getting in shape, he was happy. That's all I know. She said that in an interview to Variety. And she said, I was literally texting him that morning. He was not in pain. He wasn't struggling. He was happy. And then she kept saying in this interview with Variety, she keeps saying, I want people to know, I want people to know that he worked so hard. He was just dealt a tough one. And I don't want his death to kind of be twisted. And I think the fact that she's giving that interview before this even comes out goes to show like how much his inner circle were preempting this. Yeah, and even him preempting it before it even happened. You know, like he said in his memoir, I'm pretty sure I know how this is going to go when it eventually happens. And it's really interesting that we can see that and know that's going to play out and still it plays out like that. Like Mm -hmm. there's no self-awareness from anyone involved in how it plays out. You know what I mean? Happening exactly how he said it would, even though we know that that's probably not the best way for it to happen. Yeah, I find with celebrity deaths or deaths of well-known people, we gravitate to two like big extremes. Either we treat them like they're a saint and they've never done anything wrong and their whole life was perfect. And you see that kind of conversation around someone like like Princess Diana, like she has really been held up to be this otherworldly person over the years. I know their deaths are obviously many decades apart, but that's kind of where the public has gravitated towards her. And you think she was also just a normal woman who did good and bad things and was dealt a pretty tough hand by the life she was in. But this idea that people have to make her this perfect otherworldly person. And then the other way is that you have to be like, oh, they were so troubled. They, you know, brought this upon themselves. And I find that people, when Matthew Perry's death was first announced, they kind of went that way of like eulogizing him as like this perfect man. And now we flipped around the other way, which is really disappointing because you think like in death, someone should have some dignity with how their life is talked about. And that doesn't really seem to be the case this week. Yeah, it's almost like in death, it also kills our sort of shades of grey. Like we can't quite see that there's nuance in all of these conversations and that all of these different things can be true at the same time. Well, the other big news story from the weekend was Meghan and Harry's Christmas card. We have lots of thoughts around the theories, whether there are theories, why there are theories, all of this after the break. Okay, switching gears a bit to a very important news story that broke over the weekend, and that was the fact that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, as they're still often called, but we know them as Meghan and Harry, released their yearly Christmas card. Now, the way this came out, because they're cool and hip Chelsea, it's a virtual greeting card sent via email on behalf of their Archwell organisation, named after their little boy Archie, which is cute. And in the card it said, we wish you a very happy holiday season. Thanks for all the support in 2023, exclamation 
question mark. And then it linked to the Archwell Foundation Impact Report, which was like this kind of big feature. See, it's like a Trojan horse. Like you click on the Christmas card to see a picture of the famous happy pretty people and see if anything out of royal scandal has unfolded. And what you are greeted with is a video highlight of all the work that Meghan and Harry and their foundation have done over the year. So they clickbait the entire world. I love that. Yeah, well, I guess they wanted to show what their foundation had done, especially because, like, in leading up to this, like I said, there had been all these reports around the fact that people weren't giving enough money to their foundation. It was faltering. This is coming off a year of a lot of their projects shutting down and, you know, not going ahead, like the podcast and some of their Netflix deals. So I think they wanted to be like, hey, we've actually done some stuff. And if you (laughs) click on this pretty picture of us, you're going to see what it is. So that's nice for them. That's nice for them. And to be honest, I'm sure, as you said, it will have done some wonderful things, but no one is actually going to go and read a really dry report on what a charity's been up to. Like, you know, that's just not as clicky as maybe they might talk about some drama. (laughs) We'll click on these pretty smiley faces and see what other royal drama is happening. Well, there's also a lot of conspiracy theories and chatter around their choice of photos. Obviously, with the royal family, the choice of photo is always so important. And let us not forget Kate and William's Christmas card came out a few days earlier, we talked about in the pod. And that was very, like we were saying, like a throwback to those glam photos of like the 90s where everyone goes in a photo booth together. And in the photo, Kate and William and their three kids are all wearing like matching white shirts and they're all staged beautifully together. There was talk around Prince Louis having a Photoshop fail. Did he orchestrate it? Did he not? We still don't know. It's in very classic (laughs) black and white. And we understand like as much as they also released it virtually that there are hard copies that are sent out to different people. So that was very old school, elegant. This is the future royal family. And so Harry and Meghan with their picture went another way. So they didn't have any kind of a set up photo or a stylized photo or anything like that. I don't know if she saw the Kate and William photo and went another way or they always plan to do this. You know what? I prefer what they've done because they're not Christmas cards. There is nothing Christmassy about them. I want ugly Christmas sweaters. If you're going to put some effort in, I need it to be festive. And so I like that this is just like there's zero effort in it whatsoever. They've just gone on Getty. Let's download a photo of ourselves. We look nice here. That will do. It's lazy and I'm lazy, so I appreciate that. Yeah, is it lazy or is it the ultimate power move to release a photo as your big grand gesture that is easily accessible to anyone who can (laughs) type in Meghan and Harry Google into their search Like, So the photo, you've probably seen it before, it's from the closing ceremony of the 2023 Invictus Games, which took place in Germany in September. And look, it is a lovely photo because Harry and Meghan looking very glamorous. Harry's got like a black suit and like a black shirt underneath open neck, no tie to show that he's cool and young and not of the royal family anymore. You've gone deep. I have. I mean, that's a pretty top line (laughs) situation there. (laughs) And then Megan, I'm going to say the woman looks luminous. She looks gorgeous. She's got a strapless green dress on. Again, royals aren't allowed to mostly wear strapless at like formal events like this, I do believe. She's probably also not wearing stockings, which is a big no-no. They've just gone off the rails, (gasps) these two. That's outrageous. How dare she? Well, I wonder if they, they just picked the photo where they looked the happiest. Also, I think they were trying to link it back to all the good work their foundation has done. And so seeing them at the Invictus Games, which is to honour servicemen and women who have been injured, it's like an Olympic thing. So it's like you can still go on and do this big event. It's like Prince Harry's brainchild that he has orchestrated and brought to life over the years. And out of a lot of things that he tried to launch is probably the most successful and ongoing thing. And so I wonder if also that was reminding people 
people like, hey, we're not sitting in a castle getting our photo taken against a black wall while our children fidget, like we're out in the world actually doing good. But also is not having their children, I have gone deep on this maybe, is not having their children <laughs> in the photo, Archie and Lilibet, who I would never get over that that's that child's name, little Lilibet, not having them in the photo, is that them also saying, like, we told you we'd step out of the spotlight, we didn't want our children to be part of this big royal media circus and so we're not going to use them on the card. We haven't seen pictures of them for so long. They haven't been at events, so we don't know what those two little redhead kids look like anymore. Like, they could have had a really good PR spin if they would released a gorgeous new photo of their kids and they could have completely overshadowed the Kate and William card, but they chose not to. There's layers here, Chelsea. They're operating at a level that we can't even imagine. Oh, my God. This is wild. Is it not? Like, why do we have to ascribe so many layers to this is it not just two people who got their PR person to put out a nice photo of them to be like let's link it to the good shit that we're up to and hopefully people maybe click on it and then we can go back to our fancy mansion with our kids and live as we apparently want to in privacy like is it deeper than that I don't understand (laughs) I feel like I'm going crazy in royal stories I know I think if anyone who lives in the public eye as much as all of these people do like nothing can be by accident because you'd have to think out every little thing that you say publicly every image you put out every email that goes out because it could start these big headlines and I think one of the reasons we're so attuned to all of these secret messages that we think the royals are sending us is because on one hand we know they have big teams of people whose entire job is to orchestrate public opinion around them. So it's like nothing's done in a vacuum. Kate and William aren't sitting Mm. in a room being like, this is a cute picture, let's do that. Like there would have been a team of people around them. Also, they've been in the headlines so much recently with the last season of The Crown, like depicting Harry and William and Kate with the release of Ovid Scobie's book and the names being printed and the backlash around that and with Prince Harry being caught for his like suit against the British press and winning that and him giving a statement saying he was slaying dragons and all this sort of stuff. Like so we're not actually hearing from anyone behind the scenes in the way that we want to. Like, none of these people are coming out. Kate and William never speak on anything. Meghan Markle hasn't addressed any of this. Harry's only given, like, a brief statement just about his court case. So we just want information, and that's why I think we're digging through Christmas card photos to find it, because none of these people speak. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess they are, as much as I hate to admit it, they are, like, such a huge part of the entertainment pop culture world, right? So we not me, the collective we, want to have stories about them, so we have to make it up. But it's kind of fan fiction-y. I don't know. The entire thing just, I can understand it like sort of as a a broad thing that we like royal stories and we want to have royal stories. But it's just when we get to the nitty gritty of looking at these random photos that they put out a week or two before Christmas, like, have a great festive season. I'm like, really? Like, oh, I don't know. I think the biggest takeaway is forever cynical. (laughs) I know you are. I think the biggest takeaway, if anyone wants to send a Christmas card, it's like, oh my God, I don't have time to take it. Just Google a nice pic of yourself. I haven't had time to think of a Christmas card. I'm just (laughs) going to find a picture of you and me, like a spill pic from this year, and I'll send it out to people with like Christmas greetings written across it. What could be better? I don't think we're important enough (laughs) to even have one, Laura. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by Taylor Strano with audio production by Scott Tronic. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au and on the Spill Instagram. Bye. Bye.